back. 2020 is finally over. We rush into 2021 for a new season of podcasts with a brand new guest. Please introduce the people who's talking to us today. What's up, everybody? Glad to be back. It was a nice little hiatus, but welcome Joshua Howe. Josh was the associate editor for Sportsnet and host of the Writers Write podcast. Joshua, thank you for coming on, man. Uh, no problem, guys. Uh, quick question. I'm going to sound like an idiot right here, but am I supposed to hit this record button as well? No, no, I got it. I got it. You're good. Okay, you got it. Cool, because it's already giving me problems. So other than that, great. I'm doing great. <laughs> no, no, you're you're good, man. So, you know, <laughs> Josh, I, I messaged you a couple weeks ago and I was like, hey, well, you know, we love your work. Why don't you come on the podcast? Let's talk some Raptors, you know, seasons getting going, all this optimism, one in five. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. But yeah. first, we want to talk a little bit about you. And okay. obviously, you're associate editor for Sportsnet. We, we know that you, you write for Sportsnet as well. You're a prominent member of Raptors Twitter. You're breaking down different plays, pulling different things you like and don't like, throwing out stats and everything like that. But I'm going to go to the editor part here mm-hmm. because I need some help. Okay. You're writing, you're doing editing. Like, I, t- tell me about your role at Sportsnet. Because when I think of this, all I think is like you're just making other people's work better. But it's, it's definitely deeper than that. So can you explain to the people exactly your day-to-day? Sure. Um, so basically, uh, you know, everything's remote now, which is kind of weird. We used to do this in an office. Uh, I interned at Sportsnet last year. Uh, man, time is weird now. But uh, yeah, I was there for a few months. Um, and then I wound up being hired there back last summer uh, for basically the same job. And um the day-to-day is basically just, uh, it, it kind of is what it sounds like. I work on the news desk specifically. So, um, you know, any breaking news that happens, anything important at all, um, there's a, a group of people on the news desk at all times who have to cover the news, uh, write about the news. Um, everybody there kind of knows that my strength is NBA and basketball content. So a lot of those, uh, uh, you know, if I'm working any given day, um, a lot of those little articles you'll see with the Sportsnet staff in the corner if it's basketball related, uh, I might've written it as pretty good chance uh, oh. on a day that I was working. Um, so things like that, uh, you know, you're just kind of covering as they come, um, anything that Woj breaks, anything that Shams breaks, uh, we gotta be on that kind of thing. And then, um, yeah, the editing, you know, stuff comes, uh, there's a lot of original content coming into Sportsnet. Um, so like I'm dealing with a lot of different, uh, things that they throw at you, not just NBA stuff. Although I, edit a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, Stephen Lung is the NBA editor. Um, so I work with him a lot. Uh, Michael Grange as well. I'm sure you guys know Grange because uh, he's on TV and things a lot. So uh, one of the big faces for SN and uh, his stuff as well. Um, and then, you know, all the NHL guys, there's a lot of NHL guys, obviously with Sportsnet and uh, they got their season coming back up soon. So a lot of content there. And uh, yeah, you kind of just, you know, they, they send in the articles, the insiders, we call them. And then uh, you go through their work and they kind of trust you to, to you know, put out uh, what ends up being the end result. And you basically just get an article from them. And uh, sometimes they have comments or concerns along the way and you work with them. And then eventually it just gets posted and you kind of just do that throughout the day uh, sort of as quickly as possible while maintaining a high level of quality. And um, yeah, that's kind of the gist of the job. So how many people on Twitter 
do you have push notifications on for? That's what I want to know. Oh. Like, it, is this like, you know, we just got Woj and Shams and maybe, you know, uh, Bob McKenzie and sorry, it's on the other network, but, you know, uh, Chris Johnston, just in case. Yeah. But it, are we talking like, you know, a, you know, a handful or are we talking like dozens? Um, for me, it's a handful. Like personally on my phone, I think it's just, I was looking now just to see if there were some on there. Um, but it's definitely Woj, definitely Shams. Uh, Mark Stein is on there. Mm -hmm. um, I trust Stein's uh, reporting. Um, I think Maybe that's Chris it. Haynes. Chris Haynes, um, you know, he's one I've considered. Honestly, my my sort of my guidelines for the people that I uh, have notifications for is basically, you know, are you tweeting kind of about the news that I want to hear about, and and that's it? Because otherwise, you're going to be clogging up my phone with just like constant notifications, right? Like, I mean, um, you guys know, I'm sure as uh, as Raptors fans, like Blake Murphy is like one of the best Raptors writers, reporters around. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Right. He's great. But if you put on notifications for Blake, you're going to get just like, you know, his game tweets and whatever. Right. And like, there'll just be and a lot of, of rock and roll podcast content for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, no, no. Yeah. We've had him on before. And it's, so yes, we, we know some what you're stuff, about. Exactly. some wrestling yeah, yeah. stuff, some wrestling stuff. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, so you, uh, that's kind of my threshold there is just basically like are they tweeting out the news how many extra tweets i mean stein does tweet a fair bit about you know other stuff but i kind of let it go for him just because i know he's one of the guys that was pretty quick on the scoops um haynes is one i have to think about as well actually might be just adding but i typically just roll with those guys and then i'm already online so much i'm sure you guys have noticed i'm on twitter quite a bit uh that uh, i'm kind of involved in everything going on anyway so i sort of well i will see things if it's not from one of those guys i'll see it pretty quickly um probably just through somebody else so uh yeah and then for work it's kind of just like um you know everybody kind of has tabs on everybody so uh you get sent emails and stuff too right with you you have a big media company they just send you the emails like here's the press release from whatever you know right so right well I, what do I so you've got a handful. Ian, how many do you have? Because I know oh, in our family, uh, Josh, I'm not sure if you know this, we're brothers. We, we have a podcast oh. together as brothers. Mm -hmm. And it's like a competition in our family with all the, all the like our dad, our, our half brother, our step brothers. Like, it's like, who can break it first? So Ian, I, I throw it to you. How many people do you have push notifications on for? Because I can tell you, I have five. Friedman, Chris Johnson, Shams, Woj, and Ian. That's it. That, those it's, are my push notifications. It's an aggressive amount. No. Uh, How many? It's an aggressive amount. So the ones I've had lately was Walmart Canada, the gaming <laughs> one, because I want to see when the Xbox was coming out, when it was going to be available. Okay. Um, but I have Windhorst, yeah. Shams, uh, LeBrun, Tim McMahon, yeah. uh, a couple hockey guys, Chris Haynes, Adam Schefter, Tim Bontemps, um, Kevin O'Connor, Vincent Goodwill, Zach Lowe, and then, um, you know, I, I do have Blake, Blake on, um, wow. then wow. Chris Johnson and Rappaport. So I, I got it all covered. I'm, I'm curious to know how many of those guys are like volume tweeters. Cause I'll see like some of their tweets every so often, but I'm not like constantly checking out their timelines. Like mm -hmm. I feel like KOC tweets a lot, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Bond temps too, particularly when Celtics games are on. But my phone just blows up and it's fine. I mean, you know, and for me, for me too, you know, when the election was going on, like I had, I oh, had a couple like of those five, you know, people that were tweeting about the election. So my phone is just nonstop, nonstop.
But you know what? Hey, it, it's worth it. I like the guys I have on there, so that's what we're going to roll with. But let's transition. We got to talk some Raptors. Uh, tough loss last night to the Boston Celtics at home, technically. Um, and look, I mean, I'm not going to read you the final score because, frankly, the final score doesn't indicate how big of a smackdown it was. I think Jason Tatum finished with 40. Um, and then Bleat was awesome again, but nothing really else to write home about. So I got to ask you, let's just get it off the top. What were your immediate thoughts on last night? Uh, it's weird, right? Like disappointment, I guess. Um, not sadness, really, um, or anything like that. I wasn't falling into a well of despair, but I mean, if you right. followed, if you followed <laughs> me, there on, yet. no, I mean, if you followed me on, I mean, it's we're you know we're less than ten games into the season. I mean, it, it really like this isn't a normal season either, but you kind of, the general rule of thumb is give it 20 games to really feel, uh, get a good feel for the team. The thing that's the most concerning is, you know, people will talk about in seasons past uh, during the Kyle Lowry era of Raptors starting off, you know, 0-5 or 0-7 or something, or 1-7 or whatever, having a rough stretch. And then they finish as the third seed. But a lot of the issues Toronto's having right now aren't, you know, they're, they're not things that just like are easily solvable necessarily. Uh, like, you know, they're not just missing shots. Uh, you know, even though that's the thing that has been happening, it's, it's not just that. Um, it goes deeper than that, right? On a lot of different levels. And um, some of the stuff is just non-quantifiable as well. Like I, I really think playing in Tampa is having an impact on this team in a negative way. And I'm just not sure how much. I don't think really anybody is, but there's been a lot of talk about that kind of thing around the team, right? And then, of course, losing doesn't help, sort of exacerbates the issues. But, I mean, some of the stuff with Siakam in particular, right? Like, you you wonder, like, some of it's got to be a mental thing. I don't know how much. Um, you think about how he had a really rough bubble. He talked about how after his time there, um, it, he, didn't, he didn't enjoy himself. He didn't have fun. Um, he was having a rough time with his mental health. And he had a terrible series against the Celtics, which were a team – um, even more so last season than this season, you know, the one game they played, they were missing some starters and Gordon Hayward's not on the team anymore and stuff like that. You know, that was a team that was perfectly set up to shut him down. Um, they were really, you know, just throwing plus defenders at him every time he tried to drive the ball. And so he had a terrible time. And now, you know, you have a really, really short off season and then you kind of just send them right back to Florida. And I just wonder what that feels like you know, as somebody who has all this pressure, had a horrible reaction from the fan base uh, after that series. Um, just some terrible stuff people were saying. And he's had to deal with all that. And now he's back, uh, you know, with the expectations on his shoulders again, um, that contract kicking in now. And uh, that he's just being asked to, to do all this stuff. And you just wonder that maybe it's just too much for him right now. Maybe, uh, you know, like it's just, if you get to a point where you wonder, how much of it is, uh, you know, teams understand now that he's the Raptors focal point and they're scheming for him better and things like that. And how much of it is just, he's in his head a little bit, you know, things like that. So a lot of stuff. Well, one of the benefits of having Tim Bontemps on your Twitter notifications is that you get to see exactly what someone like him is saying as it happens during the game. And I think it was either him or it could have been Keith Smith, uh, who also covers the Celtics made a point yesterday where, the Celtics didn't care who was guarding him. And I think that has to be the most alarming part. So um, yeah. I, I want to jump to Pascal Siakam. But before we get there, I have to ask. You, you mentioned you're not going into a pit of despair yet. At what point 
And at what record does that happen? And then I want to get into Siakam with you. But at what point, at what game number, or what record number are we being like, okay, I'm back. This is what this is what mid 2000 Raptors felt like. I'm back, baby. Basically, yeah. when are you joining joining Ian in the pit of despair? Is <laughs> is the short answer to that question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, like I said, I think so. A lot of it, dep- it depends kind of on two things, right? Um, one of the thing, one of the things is the major thing, which is how quickly are they able to go about if they are at all resolving the issues right now that are causing the losses. And we're not just talking losses like two, three points, 10 point losses. We're talking blowouts. Mm-hmm. Um, that shouldn't be happening. I mean, they shouldn't. When we had leads. Right. Right. They've blown uh, double digit leads in I think every single one of their losses. Right. So every loss. Yeah. Um, I mean, you just can't be doing that, especially against like a Celtics team that doesn't have Kemba Walker. Uh, you know, um, that Kevin Pritchard uh, was lighting them up, you know, and Jason Tatum was fantastic. But I mean, other than that, uh, and Jalen Brown's been great to start the season, but they shouldn't be able to blow out the Raptors like that. Um, and a lot of it's just pro- process stuff, rotation stuff. Um, you know, Nurse is really searching, right? There's some stuff with the rotations that just aren't working. And, and a lot of that is partly is just a Nurse is trying things out because he just is trying to find something um, that he's evidently searching for that maybe the rest of us aren't. Um, but he's looking for some specific things and he's not finding them. Um, so I think it's a lot of that stuff. Like if the process changes and you start to see some improvements with that stuff, I think the optimism levels will rise because you'll start to see the Raptors, at least from a process perspective, play better, right? I mean, you just, you, you don't want to tune into a Raptors game, see them have a first quarter lead um, comfortably, and then have the second quarter start with both Norman Powell and Stanley Johnson on the floor and just watch the offense completely tank and blow away the lead, right? Um, so that, that stuff's rough, right? And it's just not good process. So that kind of thing, I think, is what you're looking for. And then the second thing is just that you get to a certain point, it's just really hard to overcome having a terrible record, right? Especially in a 72-game season. Mm-hmm. So I guess, you know, if you have, if, they, if there's something like, you know, if they're like 4-15, and 15, I think that's when you're kind of just talking about, okay, this season's probably like, Probably a lost season. Four right? like, and fifteen. Joshua, yeah, the thought that just made the thought that just Chris made me really Walter sad. will be in the middle of Lake Ontario at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Four and fifteen. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those. It's, it's tough, right? Because I mean, now people are like, people will go like, okay, well, we need a solution. Masai's not going to let this just keep happening, right? Uh, he's not going to just. You know, everyone keeps talking about the Harden thing, which I wrote a big thing about actually. Um, and it, and it's not necessarily that I think the Raptors are just in a great position to land Harden, but there's been a lot of talking about. Just, you know, if they could make a trade for him, should they, right? That's been a lot of conversation on Raptors Twitter. Um, but the Raptors being in this position is unprecedented. And um, Masai Ujiri has never shown um, to be the type of person who is going to negotiate from a position of desperation. Uh, desperation. So I wouldn't, I can't imagine that, uh, you know, he's going to do that. Uh, unless he finds something really specific that works out for the team. So, you know, I, I think they just, there's a lot of different ways, obviously, this stuff can go. But if that's the direction it keeps going, um, you know, I wonder, I wonder how much the attention shifts to maybe something smaller that they think uh, could help the team quickly uh, before things get out of hand. And then maybe they start having conversations with Kyle Lowry about 
the future um, and just how he's feeling and that kind of thing. Because, uh, you know, the organization obviously owes him uh, tremendously For sure. uh, just in general. So, um, you know, I, I would, don't, I, I wouldn't rule out those kind of conversations happening probably behind closed, closed doors, but uh, yeah, I mean, at, at that point, I guess, uh, I think you just kind of start thinking about the next steps. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm never one to real, I'm always like the lukewarm person on Twitter. I never get too high or too low about anything. So I probably won't be freaking out, but uh, I, I could definitely have, feel like my mindset moving on to sort of that next step of just like, all right, maybe this, this isn't what the team is going to be this maybe year. Saying it. Yeah, we thought this is what they were going to be. I mean, like, you know, before preseason, I had them pegged as the fourth seed in the East, and I thought that was pretty reasonable. I think most people thought that's pretty reasonable. And just everything has collapsed inward, and that may not be uh, the case this year. And I think, you know, a lot of this stems from, hey, if you have an All-NBA guy and that All-NBA guy doesn't play like an All-NBA guy, you're going to run into a lot of issues. Like, imagine if Boston... In with their current, you know, the Kemba being hurt, Hayward going. I mean, those are sizable losses. You know, imagine if Jason Tatum, you know, was was playing, you know, like he's an average wing. I mean, obviously they'd have huge issues. So, you know, a lot of those problems stem from someone like Siakam who's struggling. And I think last night was, I thought it was an okay step. I thought he was okay. I, I don't think it was, you know, as bad as it's been before. But you know, and one of the things, again, that what Bontemps was saying during the game, I think it was him, um, was Boston didn't care who switched on him. Like Grant Williams? Sure. You know, Semi Ojale? Why not? You know, like they're not trying to get to a particular matchup. They're just living. If it's Tice, they're just living with it. And I think mm-hmm. that's the alarming part. And And again, you know, Pascal's always a guy who's played with lots of joy and passion and loves it. You know, I mean, he's not the, you know, the Rodman level, you know, you know, waving on the crowd, but he is a guy who, he is a guy who definitely feeds off energy and plays with joy. And we just haven't seen that. Now, whether that's crowd related, we don't know, but I I think, I I think where we have to sort of dig in and then we want to get into, you know, some panic meter stuff. I, I think we just need to quickly talk about Pascal Siakam because a lot of the other issues you know, whether that's stemming from transition offense or, you know, Lowry off the court where Pascal could stem because he's the star or think, you know, or, and things like that, wing depth, things like that all stems from the way that he's playing. So what have you seen from Pascal Siakam that are you feeling like he's going to be able to get back to that level? Or are you starting to get alarmed a little bit on where we're going with him? Um, I think he can. I mean, like it was only last season where the guy was averaging like 23 points a game, you know, um, and was an all-star. He's still a good player. He's not that far removed from being that guy. Um, And he's still young. It's not an age thing. He hasn't had an injury. It's not an injury thing. Um, You know, which is why I wonder how much of it is mental. And obviously some of it I do think is teams know him a little better now. They are maybe game playing for him a little differently, but like you said, um, yeah, there were lots of situations last night against Boston where he, you know, could have taken advantage and didn't. And then there were little spurts where he did. And it looked like he was almost trying to just overcome whatever it is that's bothering him so hard by just saying, you know, screw it. I'm going to just power through this, which isn't necessarily, like you said, uh, exactly the way Siakam likes to play when he's at his best, right? Because he likes to play happy and free and uh, yeah, fluid and loose. That's Siakam. Yeah, and not, agile. Not head down. 
I'm going to put my right. shoulder into right. your chest and then flail my arm out. Like that's not Pascal. Right. So from that sort of perspective, um, and just in terms of stylistically, um, I think that's kind of like where some of the roadblocks are just in terms of how he's approaching it. Maybe, uh, probably looks like he's thinking too much a lot of the time. Um, you know, in first quarters, it's when things have been a little more free. Um, and, you know, you've seen him play better in first quarters by a significant margin, even just shooting threes. He's been a lot more fluid on his releases. He hasn't thought about it so much. He just lets them fly. I don't know if it's just because it's early in the game or if there's just that moment of um, early urgency or whatever it is. Um, but he's been better in those quarters. Uh, from a schematic, uh, from a sort of a scheme standpoint, um, I think there's things the Raptors can do to get him into better positions uh, sure. to score. Um, there was one possession that I liked a lot. It was my favorite possession from last night's game. I shared it on Twitter. I don't saw know if you it. saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was yeah. going to bring it up, yeah. Right, but so the Malachi Flynn, uh, who I really like, by the way, a lot of people do, I think. Uh, but uh, he came He came up, um, had there's two staggered screens from Siakam and Boucher to kind of get him free on the side. And then uh, Van Vliet came through to set another screen. And uh, Siakam got open for the ball, and it rolled into a pick and roll on the on the strong side for Siakam, and uh, with Boucher. And you know, um, Siakam was able to kind of catch the ball moving as he came up to the arc a bit, right? Which that's one of the key things that has worked for Siakam in the past with the Raptors is get him the ball while he's on the move. He already kind of has a head of steam. He's able to go downhill quicker. Mini uh, transition. Right. What you feel. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. So he kind of already knows what's uh, what's next when he gets the ball in those situations, and that's typically been better for him. And you know, when he gets the ball in the move, that's uh, when he's at his toughest point. stop. Right. So um, going, you know, I think that's where you'd like to see more of that. I mean, there was a lot of, and you saw this last season too, which they weren't good, but there's a lot of post ups for Siakam, which has never been great unless oh, he's on no. a specific mismatch. Uh, one of the times I thought he should have done it last night was he had uh, Waters on a, on a post-up. Waters on- and Pritchard. I, I yeah. wanted to throw my phone through the TV watching this. He literally yeah. backed from the three. He had Pritchard on him. He mm-hmm. took him. I think he drew a foul. It was a non-shooting foul. And then he gets outside the three-point line. He's got him again. And I see him legit backing yeah. all the way to the other side of the court for like an ISO for, I, I can't maybe it was Terrence Davis or someone who was being guarded by Jalen. And I'm like, what is going on here, guys? Like, this is, this is crazy. And, you know, I, to your point though, Joshua, I don't want to bag on Siakam too much. And I think the play you were talking about was the one where uh, uh, Boucher rolled to the basket after that. He gave it to him and he got fouled yeah. and went to two free throws, right? So, uh, for, and, for, for and, what and I like that. I'm not bagging on I'm not bagging on No, it's, it's like, like criticism. Fair criticism. His story is remarkable. And anyone that isn't rooting for that guy kind of needs to fuck off because, like, he's awesome and he's an amazing person and we should all be rooting for him. So, if that came off that way, I apologize. That's it not didn't. How I meant it. it didn't. I just, I, this is where I wanted to push it to is a few different things because we have a few. Quick topics we want to get to here, Josh. And then we, we're going to steal something from Blake Murphy, speaking of. Play a little game of panic meter with you. Okay. And then we got some rest of the NBA that we want to get to. But I, I want to read you a quote quickly. And this is my biggest concern for this team. And I bring this back to your, you know, the things that, we, that aren't tangible about the decline of the Toronto Raptors, which is where they are and the situation that they're in. And this just doesn't sound like our Toronto Raptors. This doesn't sound like our Kyle Lowry who made the quote. And it is, I quote, I don't think we have that belief. I'm just being honest. We get down and coach said, said it. We're down four and it looks like we're down 10. 
or down 20. I don't know how we get to change that. Winning helps that and being in games. I don't know how many games we've lost going away. It's a tough loss and a last second shot. It looks different, but we're losing games and it's just done. That is a mentality issue. This is this team is dealing with some freaking demons internally. That's what that screams to me. You got Nick Nurse basically calling out Masai and Bobby Webster. It, that's the way it came across to me. Was we our guards are too small? What do you want me to do? Even though he has DeAndre Bembry sitting at the end of the bench and he's not sure exactly what ha- if he's going to play. He's got Stanley Johnson out there, anyways. It literally sounds like they're the Leafs. And that I've messaged this to people. I'm a massive Leafs fan, Josh. Mm-hmm. I am really hoping for because the Raptors already have their title. I'm really hoping that this is a Freaky Friday situation where the Leafs are now the team that's le- lovable and likable, tries hard every night, and I'm going to get to see that for a full year because this looks like the Leafs from last year. And this is where I want to get to with you. Shouts out JD Bunkus, by the way. It was a great tweet. I, I, he, I texted to Dad last night. Maybe JD was you know watching my phone or something. But I'm going to give you three things that you can pick from. And you can either rank them or you can just say, you know what, that's the one thing I want to talk about. And it's transition offense. Okay. Finishing at the rim mm-hmm. or OG Ananobi's struggles. Which one are you most concerned about? And, you know, are we kind of overreacting to any of them? Uh, I'd say the one I'm most concerned about is the finishing at the rim. Um, I agree. I, I think OG is actually going to be fine. Uh, he's, had a, he's had a rough start to the season too, but, uh, you know, a lot of that is the shooting, honestly, and it will come from time. Um, yeah, the finishing at the rim is a problem because it was already a problem. I mean, it was a problem last season, right? I mean, like we saw, we've already seen this, like this wasn't like, this was a thing when you come, you came into this season and, uh, you know, thinking about this team as a potential four seed and you're like, okay, yeah, they can be a four seed, uh, but uh, they're going to have these same problems because they just, they haven't changed so significantly that it's going to improve there. Um, And the half court offense was their major downfall last season. They just weren't good. They were extremely mediocre in the half court. It's just because they don't have enough individual creators. And that hasn't changed, you know, and they've lost, you know, people talk about Ibaka and Gasol defensively, um, but their offensive impact is important too, right? I mean, Ibaka absolutely stretching the floor, obviously important. Baines can do that too, but he's had a really terrible start to the season in terms of shooting. Don't get even oh. going on Baines. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then and then Ibaka as well, you know, like the classic. I, I used to tweet this every time they would do it, but the uh, Kyle Lowry, Ibaka pick and roll in, in the mid-range. Uh, that was a money play for the Raptors for years, right? Um, they don't have that anymore. Mark um, Gasol is one of the best passers of all time as a big man. I think we're really missing that. That fluidity and that movement where – it's like, okay, we're stuck in a possession. Where's the post? Throw it to the post, and then Mark can get things going again. We really miss that. And, you know, Baines was sort of seen as a serviceable playmaker, and that just hasn't come to fruition at all. Yeah, it's been, it's, and you wonder, I mean, some of that stuff is just a new team, right? And trying to mesh mm-hmm. it. And True. And, I mean, it's one of those things that you heard about, I think was so underrated about Gasol when he came in in that championship year, oh. was he, he came in and they talked about, you know, catching him up on the schemes that the Raptors were doing. And he walked in and Nick Nurse was like, yeah, it took him like an hour. And then he knew everything. And he just was ready to go. God, and, I miss him. And I was like, I can't, I, can't, I can't fathom that, right? You don't like think about that too much. But then you see it in practice with a lot of guys. And this is not just, you know, Aaron Baines. It's a lot of guys in the league, right, who just aren't Marcus All, who don't have a super high basketball IQ mm-hmm. um, the same way. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it takes time. It takes some more time for those guys. And, um, 
and sometimes you know they never they never fully get it and uh and it's not like nurses running the easiest defensive schemes out there right the raptors part of the reason they've been so good defensively the last few years is because uh, they switch up their defense on the fly constantly other teams have talked about it the last few years that just like playing against the raptors defense is brutal because they'll keep changing things on you uh they'll go to a box and run next possession <laughs> they've got the zone defense going and all of a sudden they're going back to switching on man defense and they're just doing it seamlessly and you know part of that was because you have a guy like Assault who's standing in the back um, under the rim, pointing things out to guys, you know, switch here. you got a thing coming up here. This is the play they're running. And you just don't have that same fluidity anymore, um, which was part of the problem when people talked about, you know, early season, this season, you know, teams are going to, the teams are going to do well are the ones that have the chemistry, right? Which in theory makes sense. Um, I think you're seeing it kind of with the Orlando magic, um, right? For example. Um, but the Raptors, they lost a couple key pieces. Yeah, they still have kind of their core for the future kind of uh, as, at the center of things. Uh, and obviously Kyle Lowry, but um, you know, those two guys have been around, uh, Mark not as long, but long enough. Uh, and uh, Abaka had been around for a few years. So um, those were key pieces of the team and um, they did specific things that I think the team is really missing right now. So and it's, yeah. In a year like this, you want continuity. That's what you, that, that's really important. Right, right. Especially when all of a sudden you're in a brand new environment where you've never been right. before and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but yeah, I mean, in general, going back to finishing at the rim, I mean, I just, I just think that that's like, that's why the team shoots so many threes. It's not because they're planning on shooting so many threes necessarily. It's because they just, they can't get to the rim. So <laughs> what are they going to do? They got to fire it up from three, right? Like it's an over-reliance on, on shots from distance because um, they just can't get there. I mean, like Siakam is one of the guys that's supposed to be able to do that and should be able to do that. Hopefully we'll be able to do that. Um, but he hasn't been so far. And then you've got Kyle who can get to the rim. You know, he's getting older. He can still do it though, but he's kind of got to turn him on when he wants to do that. And, and then that, you're just too tiny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then who, right. And then, and then you had like Van Vliet the other night talking about, Oh, I hate when, you know, everybody's talking about me not being able to finish him at the rim. And, you know, speaking as somebody who wrote an article about him not being able to finish at the rim, uh, that's because <laughs> he can't finish at the rim. I mean, he can he, get there. He, he just he, can't finish. Yeah, he has good touches. Just, you know, he, he had some finishes last night. That were they were great. great. That one high off the glass. Oh, yeah. After right. it got blocked, though. Right. So so he he has the touch. Is not That's not the problem. The problem is just he's never been efficient there. And if you're not efficient there, then... You know, you're going to lose minutes. And if you lose minutes, you lose games. So um, that's obviously a part of his game that like, hey, look, if he keeps improving, um, that's great. But I mean, you know, as of right now, yeah, the Raptors just don't have that many guys who can put pressure on the rim. So that's that's a big problem because it's just going to tank their offense. All right. So I think we're all sad enough from last night's loss. So let's move on. Let's be sad about the grand scheme of things. Let's go that way. Um, we What we got to figure out is, okay, as Raptor fans, what should we be prioritizing in our collective freakouts? <laughs> so let's dive into some panic meter here. The first thing, here's what we're going to do. We're going to list out some things and you're going to rank it from one to 10. One being the lowest, you're completely fine with where they are. And 10 being like, I'm kind of freaking out. You ready? Yeah. Pascal Siakam. Uh, seven. So it's, it's about right. It's yeah. about right. That feels fair. And we've talked about him a lot. So let's jump here. Center depth. Center depth. Um, or just bigs hmm. in general. Bigs in general, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, more than I was expecting so far. Again, we're so early in the season. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'm going to put that as a seven as well, I think. You're being way too lukewarm. The the Baines lens thing is just, it's just not working. <laughs> Give that a solid nine here, Josh. No, I, I, and I think Boucher genuinely as a backup center is fine, but I think he needs, he's, I think he fits in more as a four. Yeah, he can. For this team that lacks size. He can, for sure. I mean, statistically, he's been great at the C, uh, the center spot. True. I mean, they've done, they've, they've scored way better when he's there at the center. I mean, uh, I think just a lot of it goes back to how they're utilizing some of those guys. Um, like, like for example, like I'm sure you guys have noticed this, but like, yeah, having Baines just under the rim and just guys just trying to like fire and shovel passes, not, not going to work, man. That's not, you just can't just, it's not a good possession, right? Like that you can't be doing that and then being like, well, we got a good look. And it's like, you really didn't um, because you know, he either, he's not catching it or he's going to get got hands like Bismack Biombo. <laughs> yeah, playing in yeah. oven mitts yeah that's not been good so i mean so that just that can't be you know the way that you're necessarily utilizing him there um you just got to be you know having him do the things he's best at which is setting screens and uh, maybe pick, uh, doing more pick and pop and, and things like mm-hmm. that and trying to trying to get him working that way but just shoveling the ball to him under the rim when he's not a guy who's like really that explosive or anything and is a little bit undersized uh, and hasn't been a starter for the majority of his career that's that's a pretty tough ask. True. So I, it is a concern, but. And I, and I think the Boucher, the reason Boucher at center kind of scares me is I just don't know that he can rebound. And you know this better than me. He can't rebound. They're no, the no, worst no. rebounding team in the NBA. I know. I, I realize that they've struggled there, but Boucher in particular, largely because there are times he can get caught chasing blocks or being out of position Tap where, triangle. you know, where he may not, you know, that he may not be able to secure the defensive rebound. And and for someone like Baines, I think Blake talked about this today, where I think it could have been Zach Lowe, where, you know, Baines is the kind of guy who helps team rebounding. He doesn't necessarily get the rebound, but he's doing team, you know, he helps with the team rebounding like Steven Adams does with his blockouts. And we haven't seen that. I think with Boucher, do you think he can rebound at an efficient enough level to sustain as a starting level, even if you're not a starter, but you're getting these starters minutes, can he survive there? Yeah. That's one of the things where you're talking about when you're worried about him as the center, that's probably one of the biggest concerns, right? Is can he finish possessions, defensive possessions for you by getting the rebound? Cause you're right. He hasn't been a great rebounder for a guy that's, you know, seven feet. And that's tough too, because the Raptors defensive scheme has guys flying around the floor. Um, they're trying to utilize their size or, you know, you're generally smaller, their small size, their quickness. Um, you know, everybody knows famously last season and that's continuing this season, but uh, the corner threes, they just allow a bajillion corner threes because that's part of the scheme. That's just something that they were allowing, which you'd think would be terrible, but at the same time, I guess part of it was luck or something, but uh, teams weren't making very many last season against them. So we're allowing the right guys to shoot them, allowing the right guys to shoot them. And, and they did generally get good contests as well um, uh, out there. So, uh, you know, it, it's all part of the scheme and stuff, whatever, but when, those long balls come out from those threes, um, you know, guys are so scrambled. It can be hard to get the, to get the rebound. And yeah, so I definitely think that's an area of Boucher's game that you're continuously hoping he can grow. Um, He's never going to be, you know, like the big stocky guy that's able to just block out guys like, you know, a Valanciunas was for the team for years um, and just is able to clean the glass that way because he's just massive and massive. You just can't get around him. Right. So, I mean, there's a lot of areas that I've been impressed with Boucher's game. Um, I think I think he's got a, getting a better idea 
the more he's played to just like where to be, you know, in a lot of situations, which is, which is really good because that will help his rebounding. But uh, I think it's always going to be a bit of a concern. Yeah. The last note on Chris, and then we got to, we'll move on to the next one. I, I think the other thing with Chris too, is that he can learn from Ibaka where when Ibaka came, it felt like every time he touched it, he's like, I'm shooting this thing. You know, yeah. it's like he touched it and he turns to shoot. And then Serge, you saw maybe over the last year and a half, like it wasn't like that long ago that he started totally. to realize like yeah. I can pass to the corner or I can kick back and rescreen. Like there's so many other things I can do to get in a better pot position. And I'd like to see now, Chris, obviously he's not super young, but as a, as an NBA player, he's young. He just hasn't had a ton of minutes because he started playing basketball not that long ago. So uh, that is the next step for him where I'd like to see where you don't have to shoot it. Nobody, me, nobody chucks it like Chris Boucher. So let's get oh, to man. the, let's get to the next one. The wing rotation, Josh, your panic meter one to 10 on the wing rotation. Okay. I'm gonna go. If you cop out to seven again. No, I'm not going. <laughs> I'm going to, yeah, I'll go nine on this one. Yeah. And I feel bad. I feel bad because nurse is a great coach. Ooh, and, he went and, there on his own, Ian. We didn't have to push him. Nurse is a great coach, and I and that I trust is. I trust his process with most most everything. Right? He's smarter than me. He's a coach in the NBA. I'm not a coach in the NBA. He's way smarter than me. But um, you know, there's just a lot of things where I have questions, and there's clearly things that haven't worked. And uh, you know, he's obviously clearly looking for answers and um, trying to find the best way to both motivate the team and put out the best um, rotations to get something working. And some of it, some of it I just uh, don't really. Understand. So you're not loving the Stanley Johnson minutes is what you're saying? Man, no. <laughs> I mean, so <laughs> here's the thing with Stanley Johnson. I mean, and, and he's talked about like, you know, why are you playing Stanley Johnson? Well, defense. And why not Matt Thomas? Well, he's not a good defender. Um, you know what's funny? That's well, not our problem. But why not Bembry? Well, and so Bembry, you know, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one too because he's kind of along the same lines of a of a Stanley Johnson, right? Just Except he, yeah, I just I just like that he actually's played NBA minutes. Well, like, he cuts and slashes and can pass. Yeah. A he's like bit. he's like, like he's kind of like, he's skills. like Rondé a bit, like, you know, just has that. Mo I was going to ask you about Rondé, but we're not going to get there today. <laughs> but it's just I, I agree with you, Josh. Uh, yeah, I think that the pieces are there if they play to their potential, but. There's just so much not going right for this team. Yeah, it's just it's just rough. I mean, like it's the thing too is like Malachi, right? And everybody's so excited about Malachi, and then Malachi comes in last night, and then people get mad that he's not LeBron James and taking over. The game. <laughs> and uh, and it's like, well, if you watch the minutes, and I watched them twice because I wanted to rewatch this game this morning again against Boston. And uh, oh, you really hate yourself. <laughs> I try to rewatch every game so that I'm. <laughs> I'm uh I'm not I'm not as smart at the first yeah that's definitely not as smart right. the first time watching as I am the second time, but like you know he wasn't on ball very much which is his strength his pick and roll initiator you'd think that's why the team drafted him, um you know he spent a lot of time on the floor which I have to assume uh, on the time on the floor with Kyle Lowry which I have to assume is Nurse being like I don't fully trust this guy yet he's a rookie you know I got to mitigate this by having him out there with Kyle. You know, there's a lot of possessions where he was out there without Kyle and it was Fred and Fred was bringing up the ball and he was just kind of floating around the perimeter. And then you get one, pretty much one possession where the guy runs pick and roll in non-garbage time. And it's the possession we talked about before. Right. And it wound up with Boucher going to the free throw line, right? Points, points on the board. So, um, you know, 
I would like to see a guy like that. I'm really hoping that, you know, it, traditionally nurses had a short leash with rookies and, uh, and guys that are kind of unproven. Um, I mean, we, we've seen this season, right? The dude, he's playing norm, right? And you can bet your butt that if uh, Patrick McCaw was healthy, he'd be out there. Oh, um, no one loves Patrick McCaw. It's that, like, like Nicholas Nurse. That's for <laughs> sure. Right? So McCaw's family doesn't like him as much as Nick does. That is a three to four time three time champion we have to bite our tongues three times four time uh three times okay Um, last one roster construction so (laughs) i i i I just need to get something off my chest real quick okay in terms of the roster construction it's going to be about seven minutes josh you you got some time if you want to go make another water if you want to take you got time so nick the other day in his press conference was not happy. And it's pretty clear, like, hey, he's not taking veiled shots at management. Like, I, I just don't think that they have that type of relationship where he's gonna, you know, take on his boss. But I do think that what he says has meaning and has value to it. And he's basically saying that I can't play any more little guys. And you look at how the roster's been constructed, and he's not wrong. You know, when you talk about guys that that they are potentially relying on, there's four, they have four or five very, or even six, very little relatively, little people that are very much entrenched in the rotation. And Nick is clearly running into a problem. And I think my question is sort of wider than that. The thing that's sort of hanging over this tough start is obviously the status of Masai Ujiri. And, and you know, your colleague, Michael Grange, is... By the way, the person I trust the most on this, he's so tapped in with everything that's going on there. And, you know, he wrote an article about it. He's been all over it. And, you know, he, I, the gist of it from him is that he thinks that Masai is going to come back maybe short term. But what's, hold, what, what's sort of happening is, is that the Raptors are in a position where, okay, let's say we wanted to go out and swing. Maybe not on Harden, but let's say we wanted to swing smaller. Is that you know, a Julius Randle, for example, I'm not saying they should, but a, a smaller get like that, where maybe they have to give up some draft assets or some young pieces. They don't feel comfortable. And Windhorse talked about this. They don't feel comfortable making any moves that affect the future, unless they know that Masai is going to be there to help guide them through that process. So my question is, I, I, again, I, I don't want to describe this as if he's lording it over the organization because Masai has earned the right to take his time making his decision. He is the best executive in the league and he's the best executive that this city has ever seen in any sport, period, full stop. So I don't want this to be taken as I'm going after Messiah because I'm not. I love that man. But it's clearly a problem. I'm not moving anything if I don't know that you're going to be here. So what is your panic meter in terms of that? How can the roster improve? Because it clearly has... the players are talented. The puzzle pieces just don't fit right. Yeah. Yeah. And I've thought about that a fair bit too, right? Because I mean, I think Winhorst said on that same pod that I mean, that's one yes. of the issues with the Harden idea, right? right. Is that even before you start talking about a uh, potential Harden deal, you got to talk about Masai. And um, because one of the big issues with Harden, you know, if you're on the side of don't bring him to town, one of the things is, you know, his future. I mean, he's a guy who's in his 30s and his next contract will be huge. And what's he look like at age whatever? And how many assets did you give up to get there? And blah, 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 right? Especially if Masai, you know, makes that move and then skips town. <laughs> right. Um, 
So um, I think my panic meter level on that though is like pretty low, just because I think he's, I think he is staying. Um, okay. I think I just, I mean, from everything that I've been able to gather, which is not that much, but I mean, just keeping tabs on everything, it just doesn't seem like, you know, he's that like, ah, well, I really got to get out of here. Um, I have a specific reason to leave. There's a specific reason that, you know, there's something else that I want. You know, the, the one thing that people have talked about him wanting, uh, which is why they, he keeps getting tied to things like the Wizards or the Knicks, is, you know, fixing a franchise that's just in disarray um, because that would be a challenge to him. Fix and us. There you go, right? Like, I mean, now he's got... Like a, the Raptors. Exactly. So he's got a team here now that, uh, you know, needs that kind of uh, help. And um, I, I do really think that, honestly, a lot of this, like all the Tampa stuff and all the COVID stuff has affected... Um, the timeline for guys resigning. I mean, nurses resigned now. Um, you know, Mass has talked a lot about wanting to get all the, the front office guys and um, all resigned and, and in place and, and comfortable before he worries about his own thing because he really can, you know, do do his deal at any time. Um, he just, yeah, he that, that offer's not going anywhere. <laughs> oh no, he can just call up uh, MLSE and be like, "Okay, let's do it today," and they go, "Great, here's the paper." So I'm not that concerned about it. Uh, but obviously, if Masai leaves, um, you know, I trust Bobby Webster a lot. I think he's a very good GM. I think he gets overshadowed by Masai a lot. Um, that but, is uh, without question. For sure. True. I think he's excellent. Without question. Anything good that happens to this team, it's, it's Masai. We, we, yeah. And probably rightfully so. And, but I, I really do like that point there. And, you know, well, you, you made it, Josh. You made it through panic meter. Okay. <laughs> you, you did it. And I'm you made it. And you made well, I know because you're lukewarm. We're, we're, oh, I'm at like a <laughs> ten all the way through. Ian is on. Ian is in the middle of Lake Ontario, middle <laughs> like swimming to Lake Erie right now. Like he is gone. So I'm going to give you a chance here because we we're going to get to. You've been obviously you've been really good with your time already, but we do have a few more things we want to get to. We want to get to a few questions about the Greater NBA at large, and then we have a game of quick hitters at the end that we really want to play with you. So Sweet. I'm going to give you this. Nick Nurse has decided. You know what? I'm going to take two weeks off. I've had enough of, of, of this team. I've already called them out six times in, in six games. So Stanley won't stop texting me. So Josh is in. You're in. They call oh, you in. No. Okay. You are tasked for two weeks with fixing this rotation in the way that you feel it would be the most, uh, the most efficiently utilized. So who is Josh's rotation starters? And then the first off the bench. Wow, if you thought the despair meter was high before, um, me as a coach, that'd be off the scales. Um, okay, so let's see. I mean, I I'll, co- I'll come be your hype man. How's that? Okay, great. Okay, perfect. I'll need it. I'll need it. Um, you can be my Chris Finch, I guess. Um, <laughs> I will, uh, yeah, and I'll just stand there and I'll yell and I'll look like I'm doing things. And I'll, I'll make sure I have my mask on so no one can A lot of it. arm waving. Right. That's the key. Yeah. A lot of arm waving, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think the starting lineup is fine. Um, I don't think I'd make any changes there, to be honest with you. I thought about, you know, the idea of moving Alex Len in there, and then I was like, nah, I'm I'm think I'm overthinking this. So you wouldn't go small. I I I don't think I would go small for a starting unit, just because in the past, uh, it's only worked in select scenarios, you know. And uh, the way the Raptors have started games with that starting unit, it's fine. That's not the problem, mm-hmm. right? It, it's yep. it's usually been it's usually been the next steps of the rotation that have sunk those minutes. So I think that's fine. So I think you leave that. And then first off the bench, it's this, this gets tough because so many guys that just haven't played well, right? Like Norm, is, he's still it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be Norm. 
right? right. It's still high up. Norm has been awful. Um, but oh. you know, he's, he's the best, you know, wing you got coming off the bench. Um, you just do, and he's got the most experience and uh, all that. So you bring off Norm. I get why nurse trusts him and has been pushing Norm um, and all that stuff and trying to get him motivated by calling him out, <laughs> like just like the rest of the team. And uh, and then I think multiple you know, times, multiple times. And then I think you got Boucher, right? Is coming off. He'd be the seventh man. Um, and then for me, and then it kind of moves into like you know Matt Thomas. Malachi Flynn again I'm really high on Flynn so I'd be putting Flynn in um as soon as you know you'd have Lowry in uh the majority of the first you bring him out near the end of the first just like the regular rotation is now um and then you put in Flynn like they did last game um but you'd be having him ideally running most of the possession at the point and then you'd have Fred out there uh running around off ball because he's incredible at that stuff um, and, and hopefully those, uh, those minutes, because really the goal here with this rotation is in the non Lowry minutes, can you at least tread water? Because right. the reason they, that tweet you put out the other day was crazy. Uh, the, the, the Lowry off the floor minutes, like oh, that yeah. was like, that sunk me into my chair. It's, it's, it's that was a 10 on the panel. That was a 10 on the panel. That was a 10. That's a 10, right? And like, and like, this is like the story of the Raptors, right? It's just that Lowry's always been the guy that he keeps the team. Afloat, yeah, even in the right? DeMar era, you're right. Yeah, right. it was always um, like DeMar got all the accolades because he was getting all the points. But you look at the plus minus and yeah, mm-hmm. no, you're right. Mm-hmm. It was it was a joke that like Lowry plus bench and you're going to be fine, right? Whoever Whoever's out there, you throw, you know, um, my uncle and he'll be fine out there with Kyle because Kyle's that good. But we're finally starting to see, you know, combined with Kyle getting older and, and throwing out guys like, like Norman Stanley at the same time. And Kyle's out there like, man, even I can't fix this. Um, and, and so you just, you can't have that, that kind of stuff. Um, and then, yeah. And then, so yeah, you probably, that probably be around the rotation. You'd be running most game. And um, then if you want to get to nine or 10, uh, you know, you're looking at Benbury and uh, McCaw, maybe, I don't know. Well, after that, after a certain point, you just kind of. Gets a little rough. Gets, it gets a little, tough. it gets, it's gets tough. a little rough. Yeah. But really, those like kind of eight nine guys, I think on a on a regular basis, you'd be okay as long as you're just running them out there at the same time and having them do what they're best at. To be honest. So let's get to the general NBA a little bit here. We got to play a quick game. We're gonna play a game of fill in the blanks. It's it's exactly how it sounds. We're gonna read you uh, basically a sentence, and you fill in whatever you think the best answer is. Cool. Sweet. Okay. All right. There are blank. There's a blank number of title contenders in the M- NBA. Ooh. Uh, as of like right now or just like right yeah, now? Yeah, like, like legit contenders. Like we're not going to say Brooklyn, you know, or, or maybe you are, you know, but they're five. No, we're not saying, right? we're not saying Phoenix, for example. Right. Hater. Yeah, I don't think Phoenix is a contender. Um, legitimate contenders, right? As of right now, two. Good Who answer. Two. It's the Los Angeles team. Yes, okay. that's what I had too. I only, I only had one. I only had one. He only, he only had the Lakers. Yeah, but I think I mean, the Clippers are understandable. That's understandable. I can't you know, trust it's, him. It's brutal, man. Like I just, I keep thinking about the Bucks, and I'm like, they should be, but I no just, depth. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like I've run out of, you know, I don't. The regular season now for the Bucks is meaningless. It's got to be. Uh, you know, they just got to show it in the playoffs. And I, exactly. 
Giannis needs to have his moment. I keep talking about why people don't like, um, have, don't look at Le- uh, Giannis like they look at LeBron. And aside from the obvious of LeBron being like one of the greatest players of all time. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, Giannis is out here being a two-time MVP and having like Wilt Chamberlain numbers and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, Shaq numbers. But like, he hasn't had that moment in the playoffs. He hasn't had his game six, you know. Um, he, Boston 2012, where right. LeBron put up like a 45, 17, and God knows what. 45, 15 is six, I believe. <laughs> right. Pop right. on, guys. Right. And, and with all the pressure of like, if this, if you lose this game, your entire dynasty that you've talked about, six, seven, eight titles, blah, 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 is gone. Oh, that was um, the game. The, sorry, I, I zoned out for a second. That was game six against in, in Austin, twenty twelve. Pierce Garnett. I watched it live. It's one of the greatest performances I've ever seen. And I was at the game where LeBron scored twenty eight of the final twenty nine points for the Cavaliers against Detroit. I was, and yeah, I was in the stadium, and I still see Chauncey missing a bunny from below the free throw line too. But uh, in my dreams, because I'm. Grew up a Pistons fan. But um, actually, a lot of parallels you can draw from that Pistons team to this current Raptors team, but we don't have time to get there. Um, (laughs) This rookie has impressed me the most this season. Okay. Who is that for you, Josh? Ooh, rookie who has impressed me the most. Um, Huh. That's an interesting one because this class is so... It's weird. weird. It's a weird yeah, it's class. Weird. It's a tough class. Um, like Anthony Edwards is the number one pick. Uh, two for two. That was my answer as well. He, yeah, he's been good, man. Doing stuff. He's been good. I mean, you know, they have him coming off the bench, and uh, he's kind of he's kind of doing as advertised. I mean, he's not like coming out here being a franchise player, but they don't need him to do that. They got Cat. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think he's been pretty solid. I'm trying to think of like who else has just like shown up. Wise, I mean, Wiseman for me. Wiseman's been great. I was going to say, actually, Pritchard's been really good this season. Yeah, he has, he has been. Yeah, yeah, Wiseman, Pritchard, and Edwards, they've all been very impressive. Yeah, yeah, Wiseman's been really good. I like I like that. Uh, he was two or two. Precious has Steph. been good, too. Steph's night. Precious, yeah. yeah. Precious. Just not fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hey, one day when he's, you know, taken over for the for the Lowry role, uh, it's going to be great. Or, he, or the or the alternative, he gets traded or something, and then he goes to another team, and all of a sudden, he just shows up as like this great, you know, floor manager, floor general for them. And everybody in Toronto goes, Hey, what the hell happened? No, no, we'll, we'll have you back on and you can, you can scream from the mountaintops. Okay. (laughs) Sounds good. All right. Next one. Brandon Ingram has turned into the blank best player in the league. Oh, that's a good question. He's been so good. Oh my God. He's so filthy. That guy murdered us twice in like a week. Yeah, like I bet. I wonder how many people, if you, if they hadn't watched a single Pelicans game, and uh, you just went, I mean, and you were like, "Hey, man, the Pelicans are off to a good start this season," and you and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, because Zion's awesome, right?" Like I bet you that would be the response. Oh, sure. for sure. And Zion is awesome, but Ingram has been the best player on that team. Lonzo's been doing, quietly good too. Lonzo's been good. Yeah. Ingram is sort of doing. Don't do it. No, earlier. don't do it. Don't put he's this kind in the, of don't doing put this out there. Duranty stuff. Oh. He's not Durant. Let's get that out of the way. <laughs> but he's doing Duranty stuff at that size, that skill, that shot making. Like he is like, I don't know. Is he diet Durant? I mean, it's possible, you know, like I, I think that we could be talking about a guy and I, I'm going to let you answer, but I think we're talking about a guy like he's right now. He's got to be in the top. 
15. I mean, he's an all NBA guy. No question. Jenny, Craig, Kevin, that's what you're calling him. Yeah. I like it. So what do you think? Um, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say, I was like, if by Durant, you mean like he's skinny and tall and whatever, but like, no, you make actual good points. He's good. Um, I mean, yeah, you're probably around on track, right? Like he's, he's definitely, well, he's, I mean, through whatever, six games or whatever. Yeah. He's, he's been a easily top 15, probably top 12, maybe even lower than that. I'd really have to think about it, but I mean, Katie's been great. Steph's been great. LeBron's yes. LeBron. Davis has been great. So Giannis is Giannis. So you've got, you know, kind of the staple guys. And then as soon as you kind of get past that, Harden's obviously been great. Paul George has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Kawhi is always on there. Kawhi is always on there. So, yeah, but so Jok- you know, guys like Jok- Jokic has been great centers, so far. Yeah, but you're, you're looking at that Siakam spot like, from last year or right, like third I mean, I team all right NBA. There. Right, yeah. yeah. And Tatum's been great too. So oh, yeah, you, you start to get into that range of, you know, the, the where do you go after uh, sort of the top 10? And then you're getting into like, you know, how, how much do you value Ben Simmons on defense? Um, how good how good has Embiid been when he's not seeing doubles every single game this season? Oh, man, he looks uh, so good. You know, uh, and they've been great uh, as a team. And, and yes, so you kind of get yeah, He's in the mix for sure with all those guys. So I, I missed a great opportunity. I called him, what did I, Jenny, Craig, Kevin. It was <laughs> Keto Durant was sitting right there. Oh. Keto Dur- Durant is just... I just Brandon. I, I know Ingram's you're nice, I, man. I, Ingram, I know you're listening. Keto Durant, make it your Twitter Twitter handle. Uh, next one, we got two more. Forget the quick hitters. Of these teams who who were previous title hopefuls, mm-hmm. blank team is who I am most confident in to turn this around. Your options are Dallas, Denver, Brooklyn, Toronto, or Miami. Oh. Uh. Wow, that's tough, man. That's hard. That's tough because you know because you want to say Miami because they were in the finals last year, but like I don't know about you guys, but like how long is Jimmy gonna? I don't look at I don't look at it as a fake title. I look at them as a fake title appearance, and it's not because they're bad. I love their team. It's just they. I I mean, like like I went on a podcast last regular season. I was like, this team is a fraud. They're a fraud team. Like they're not that good. They've been they've been winning a bunch of really close games and like in overtime, like they've been eking out all these wins. Like they're, they're like a forty-five win team last year. We're talking about here. Yeah, this is like a fifth seed, and they won a bunch of close games to get there. So I was like, this team isn't that good. And then they just seem to be built for the bubble. Um, so, but I don't, I don't like I don't know if they can replicate that. Um, then you want you want to think about Brooklyn, but like man, their defense. Oh. Their defense is right. So confidence. Who are you most confident in? Okay, read them one more time. Denver, Toronto, yeah. Brooklyn, Miami, Dallas. We already know it's not Toronto, even though you're not in Lake Ontario at this point. So to, yeah. what, what I'm hearing here is it's Denver or Dallas. Yeah, and I love Luca. Like, I'm a huge Luca fan. Oh, but, oh, you're uh, welcome back here anytime. But yeah, I, I, think, I think uh, I think out of those, I guess I got to go Denver, man. Ooh. I guess I got to do – just yeah. because, like – it's not even so much that like, I'm like, yeah, I think Jokic can just take them all the way. It's more that I just think out of all those teams, they've had a lot of experience the past few years, you know, playing that kind of high level basketball, you know, Murray, I think Murray's continuing to improve. He's still a super young guy, um, but you know, he's, he's been pretty good to start the season. Um, but a lot of it's just really like how that team works. Uh, like Malone's a good coach. Like, 
you know, Jokic being who he is, he's just such a threat in so many different ways that you can just have your offense run almost like anything you want because he's the guy that can like he's the glue that holds it all together right yep. like yep. if you just want him operating from the high post as a passer he can do that you want him posting up he can do that you want him picking right. he can do that whatever the other players are best at he can make them do that you know he's and their puzzle pieces fit yeah we, that's the part that makes it simple like their puzzle pieces really fit and i think michael porter jr's got off to a really good start i, I think if they're gonna make, if anyone's gonna make that move, that is the piece. That is the piece that's gonna matter. So and Jokic and that, and, looks and, forty and is only tw- like twenty five, which is a big plus in my books. Like, yeah, and I, I'm I, a big fan of that. Th- that's the team, though. That like, if you're banking, who are you most confident to turn around? Well, who is gonna make the move that fixes their problem? And I and think Denver is. Denver is obviously the team. I think Dallas has has a shot with that too. Um, okay, last one, and then let's get to quick hitters. Which non-playoff team from last year is impressing you the most to start the season? So okay. blank team, non-playoff team is impressing you the most to start the season. Um, it's right there. Is it? It's a cheat though, right? It is. It's right there. It's only one answer. <laughs> they went. They won eight straight. I. But, but they didn't get in. <laughs> they didn't. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I guess it's the Suns. I mean. Oh, I was gonna say the Knicks. No, they're they're gonna do Knicks stuff. They're gone. Come on, no Tim. They're gone. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, they got Chris Paul, so it just feels like such a cheat. But I love that team, man. Even during the bubble run, their bubble run was so fun. So oh, fun. So um, fun. I became a huge fan of uh, of Cameron Johnson during oh, that yeah. bubble run, just because Absolutely. that guy has a sniper. Um, yeah, he can stroke it for sure. You have the Devin Booker, uh, DeAndre Ayton pick and roll, and then you just got him spacing, and he gets so many open looks because Booker's incredible, and you know Ayton's continuing to improve. Love McCall and, and Chris Paul's yelling at the refs, so no one's really looking. So he's just got open <laughs> threes from the corner the entire time. Absolutely. So I mean, that team's really good. It's a great team. They're going to be really good this year. I, I really love Devin Booker. I think he's been underrated for the past several years. To be honest with you, this guy scored seventy points in an NBA he's, game. You know. Okay, I got to ask. But we have, Sean and I every time I bring on a guest, we ask this: yeah. Booker or Beal? Oh, I feel like right now or the future or both. No, right now. Both. No, right now. Wow, because Beal's older. Fine, yes, right now. and because you didn't have Beal in your all right, all right, all right, all right. Oh man, that's close though. It's super close. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Booker. Okay, let's go. Let's you're the fir- go. you're the first guest to pick it. And on that note, we'll use that as your first quick hitter. We're at quick hitters. You've been generous with your time. We have seven questions for you. We're gonna lay them out. You can answer the question. Say yes, no, pass, whatever you want. Okay. If you want to explain and go deeper into it, you can but it is more about getting your first answer out. So I'm going to start here. Would you rather have won a title with the DeMar era Raptors, but you're capped at one, you can only win one, or win in 2019 and Kawhi stays? Uh, when was the DeMar era Raptors? Oh, I knew you Raptors Twitter guys were going to say that. Oh, I love DeMar, man. I know. I, I knew him. you said it. The, the obvious answer is Kawhi because you can keep him and potentially win He's more. He's awesome. Everyone wants DeMar's DeMar to awesome, get one. I knew it. I knew yeah. it. I mean, DeMar's ima- still ima- awesome. Imagine, imagine DeMar's career if he'd won a title oh. on the Raptor. Like yeah, just, true. just like it from a legacy standpoint, that guy's going to the back. I'm ready. Bring him back. <laughs> All right. If you could bring back one, here, here it is. If you could bring back one former Raptor that isn't Kawhi to help this team in their turnaround, who is it? Oh, he might be. and that former Raptor needs to be active. Oh, I was gonna rules out Landry Fields, man. What are you doing? Um, 
Linus Closer. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas. Ooh, ooh, wow. I like that answer. Like that. Yeah. Like he, that. Yeah, that's actually he's exactly true. he's exactly what they need <laughs> in a bunch of ways, man. Um, yeah, JV all the way. Wow, that's great, great one. answer. Ian and I were literally just talking during this, saying that Andre Drummond was acquired for like a second round pick last year, and if we should, if we can get him, we should. He would be great for this team outside of the money and the fact that he's space on empty defense. Calories. But he rebounds the hell out of the basketball, and you know, Andre's done on a year. All right, so I'm, this is a two part question, but bear with me. You're the host of the Writers Right podcast, so my first question is. When's the next episode? What the hell's going on with that? Because it last, I think it was June the last time that came out. Oh, and okay. as and as my real question, you're given lay of the land has to be a writer, as per the status of your podcast. Yeah, dream guest for the Writers Write podcast. Ooh, I like this one. Oh, that's good. Okay, so uh, what's happened with it? Um, honestly, just like. Just me doing a lot of different things and being like crazy. Life. I mean, I, I, I think Life. I've moved, I think in that time I've moved twice. So uh, yeah. there's been that. Uh, I was, I mean, obviously uh, I, I had, so like last year in end of October through to November, I was uh, working for raptors.com, like covering the team. And it was at the same time that I was finishing journalism, sports journalism school. Um, so I was starting my internship at uh, Sportsnet at the same time. And so I just, I had like no free time. I was like not even sleeping. I was just like, I was doing all the things. I was like, ah, I, I gotta, you know, I just, I gotta be on the go all the time. So um, ever since then, it, it kind of like uh, has been nonstop. Cause then, you know, COVID hit, everything shuts down. Um, and then it's just about like, well, you know, uh, figuring out the best uh, means of survival. Um, survival mode. For mm, yeah. right, different things for work and whatnot, especially when you're in sports and sports has stopped. Um, been there. So, uh, that, that was the whole thing. And, um, honestly, uh, I'm sort of in a position now where I've been thinking about it again. Uh, and I would love to do it again, um, and get back on sort of an actual schedule. Uh, cause I really enjoyed doing that. Um, it's one of those things where I thought it was a great podcast idea when I started because it was, uh, you know, it's something that the ideas never run out. You never run out of uh, where to go because you're you're given the ideas by the writers because they write things and people will always create cool stuff so you can just bring on people sure. and talk about those things forever it's it's a never-ending podcast your opening you line was great too it was and, great uh, <laughs> yeah the, the, drop yeah, it for the great. drop it for the front of the stand spot drop it for the front of the stand spot let's see if i can still do it from memory um i had that if, if you're wondering i did do the pause as an homage to zach Lowe, uh for the low post but i always would say Legend. welcome to the Writer's Right podcast, <laughs> a show where every writer has the right to speak their mind. I'm your That's host, as always, one. Joshua Howe. There you go. And, and, and then I put in, like, you know, introducing my guests for, you know, usually silly things and, uh, and so, stuff that they're known for. But So speaking of Lowe, is he your dream guest? I lo- he might be. He might be. You know, it's funny. It's, on a podcast like that, you like to have, for me anyway, um, you like to have the people who typically are, you'd love to have features kind of writers, right? Like one of the, the coolest things I got to do, and I got to have her on twice, was bring on Mirren Fader, um, who I think is one of the best writers working in any industry. Um, she's incredible. Um, her stories are top notch, some of the best in the industry. So getting to bring her on, um, and you know, the first time I ever did was talking about, uh, was Brandon Ingram, I think, was the first one. And it was, you know, 
was still out in the Pelicans. Yeah. And it was, it was really neat for me too. Cause uh, she was one of the biggest guests at the time. She's really blown up since then um, with the ringer now, but she was with Bleacher Report at the time. And uh, it was really cool. Cause I, I think I was still just doing Raptors Republic and uh, basically from my home in a small town in you know, Southwestern Ontario. And uh, you know, she's talking casually, but uh, yeah, I was talking to like Brandon Ingram yesterday about whatever. And <laughs> I was sitting there like, wow, I've only ever seen basketball on TV. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so that was really cool. Um, and, and she's just super insightful and, and great. And, and I, I think it's always the most fun on those sorts of pods to bring on people who really, really care about the writing, you know, as opposed to just the sports, which the sports are great, but the actual stories themselves and about, you know, having a craft and really being into that and caring about that sort of thing. Um, those are the most fun. So, so like low, for example, I would love to bring on low. He's way too high profile for something like that, but uh, right. Uh, it's a dream you're allowed to dream right right so but i mean like if i was bringing him on i'd bring him on for something like the the profile he wrote on uh on bam oh right which was incredible yeah um you know the other guy who actually is maybe feasible is howard beck oh what up beck good one what up beck right what up beck he's uh he's great too because i mean he's just he's a great writer and he's been around for forever and he's, and he's a feature there. writer that that, that exactly. fits that yeah so, I, I, pelton's one that i like too ian you got the last one here all right if Fred Van Vliet was six foot eight, he would be the blank best player in the NBA. I think you tweeted this or someone on Raptors Twitter tweeted this the other day. Yeah. And I, it got me really thinking because that dude is an absurd scorer for his size. Like it's, it's, it borders on hilarious. I know he can't finish. And part of the problem is because he's five, six, yeah. but like that dude is, a bucket defends like crazy, all that other stuff. So it was, it was probably a standard. That dude's always tweeting. If he was, if he was six foot eight, he would be the blank best player in the NBA. Wow. He'd be great. He'd be oh so fucking God. good. He's, he's, he's already great. Um, he's already awesome. Like you think about borderline also like last year, he led the NBA in deflections. Like this is a dude that size, his wingspan. And, and, and I have stood in front of Fred Van Vliet. Like I've talked to this man in person, like, like my, my, I am pretty tall. I'm six, three, I'm taller than Fred Van Vliet. Um, and you know, I think what is he listed at like six? He's listed at six, but that, that dude's no five, he, ten tops. He's, he's shorter than that, man. Um, and cause I was, I was talking to him and I don't think he was wearing shoes. He would just gotten out of the shower or whatever. So, um, I, and I think like one of my arms is like the better part of like his entire wingspan. Like this dude's got short arms, man, but he's, he's listed six one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's not six one. Um, so he's, he's, and he's leading the NBA in deflections uh, because he's just such an incredibly smart defender and, you know, he's just so sturdy. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like add to the fact that like this dude, he, he was working on his shooting range. Now it's like a regular thing, but I mean, he's like a foot or so back from the 3.9 all the time he shoots because he realized that defenders just couldn't close on him out there and affect his shot. So he's like, if I just take a step back, sure. You know, they're not going to be able to do that. So he's, he's absurd. And, right? and I love that he's two way. If he's six foot eight, like, are we talking about like a, are we talking about a top 10 guy? Are we talking about a top 15 guy? It might be because, you know, Fred, two of Fred's, well, one of Fred's biggest issues, at least like the finishing, like we talked about that definitely improves if he's six, eight, um, you know, and he's got the handle, obviously he's a point guard already. Yeah. Um, he froze Tristan Thompson last night on that one crossover. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nasty. 
Um, Incredible leadership. I, like I he's think, he checks every box. I think he's every Jason single Tatum. one. I think he's Jason Tatum if he's six. Eight. Jason Tatum. That's, a, that's ooh, that's a good comp actually. Um, better defender though. He's already a better defender than Tatum. Yeah, he's already, he's already a better cool. defender, but he'd be able, you have to assume he's a little slower. It just hey, a little slower. I, I like and this that. is not meant as Freddie slander. Like that dude, genuinely. It's okay. You've already shit on Pascal my favorite and Freddie on this podcast. It's fine. The only thing, you know, what the other thing is too is that if he was six eight, he wouldn't necessarily be looked at as a point guard, which would be great for him. <laughs> right. Because it would fit. It would fix our wing rotation now that you're the coach of the Raptors for, for the next two weeks. Uh, let's get to the last one. Okay. Would you come on this podcast again? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Well, that's it. Thank you, Joshua Howe, for coming on the From the Stands podcast. You were very generous with your time. This was a lot of fun. The Raptors are one in five, but we are absolutely enjoying every minute to talk about it. Ian. I'm sorry. I get a towel out of Lake Ontario. Chris Walder, we love you too. Hopefully you're not you're not drowning in there as well. Please, Josh, let everyone know where they can find you on Twitter. I think it's How Evolution at How Evolution on Twitter. Uh, and make sure everyone's reading Josh's stuff. Make sure you're following him along. But Josh, let everyone know where they can find you. Yeah, yeah. You can find me uh, as always uh, on Twitter at How Evolution. I really, honestly, everybody has a different kind of pronunciation of it. And you're all correct because I've never actually known what the pronunciation is of that. But uh, that is my Twitter handle. Um, if you're looking for me there, I'm tweeting uh, probably too much, but uh, that's where you can find me tweeting that. And um, yeah, I tweet out my stories and stuff there too when I do stuff. Um, typically writing for SN these days. So um, if you're looking for me uh, and my, like, my latest written content, you can go find me there. I think the last thing I wrote was uh, I think it was about the James Harden. The Harden piece. Yeah. Unless yeah. you're secret yeah. Sportsnet staff just sneaking in there. Yeah, well, there's definitely some secret Sportsnet staffs in there for sure. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll leave those to people's imagination for sure. But yeah, go uh, go find the stuff there if you can. And then, um, yeah, hey, maybe uh, keep an eye out on the Writer's Right podcast. We'll see what goes on with that. Let's do it. Ian, for the Hold first it. time in 2021, sign us off the podcast. Thanks again for joining us. It was an absolute blast. The Raptors. We'll be okay. We'll figure it out. And as always, everyone, happy new year. Please stay safe. Wear your mask. Bye.